Captive of the Centurianus, Chapter 5 The eighty-six-hour day of Ganymede drew to a close. Jupiter was at the half now, a banded amber giant in a sky of thronging wintry stars. Ray wiped his grimy hands and sighed. Done, he said, looking fondly at the haywired mess, filling half the lab and reaching back toward the engines. We've done it. We've conquered the stars. My little earthling is so clever, simpered Deanne. I'm horribly afraid, said Arishkadan, that this minor achievement of mine will eclipse my true accomplishments in the popular mind. Oh well, he shrugged. I can always use the money. Ah, uh, yeah, I never thought of that, said Ray. I'm safe enough in Vamber now. You don't arrest the man who's given Earth the galaxy. But by gosh, there's a fortune in this little gadget, too. For me, of course, when I have patented it, said Arishkadan. What? yelped Ray. You? Certainly. I invented it, didn't I? I shall patent it, too. Tell me, should I charge an exorbitant royalty, or would there be more money in mass sales at small price? Look here, snarled Ray. I happen to know how this thing is put together, too. Do you? grinned Arushkadan nastily. Ah, uh, Ray looked at the jungle of apparatus and gulped. He had only a few fragmentary drawings. By Einstein, he had no idea how the damn thing worked. But we helped you, he protested feebly. When you pay your mules and cows, I may consider giving you a small percentage, said Arushkadan loftily. You've already got more money than you know what to do with, you bloated capitalist. I happen to know you invested your Nobel Prize in mortgages and then foreclosed. And why not? When the royalties in this end you start coming in and I get my second Nobel Prize, maybe ten I can offer an occasional cigar. You earthlings never reward genius. All these years I've had to smoke that foul pipe. And that reminds me, we have to test this machine. Where's the nearest tobacco store? Ray sighed and gave up. Martians had replaced Scotchmen in the lexicon of thrift, but Arishkadan set some kind of new record. He sat down in the pilot chair and started the atomic generator on high-level conversion. I hope it works, he muttered nervously. His fingers moved over the improvised control panel for the star drive. Hang on, folks, here goes nothing. Nothing, said Deanne after a long silence. He's correct. Oh, Lord, what's the matter now? Ray went back to the new engine. Its circuits were alive. Tubes glowed and indicators blinked. But the boat sat stolidly where it was. I told you not to use those approximations, said Arushkadan. Ray fiddled with the main drive settings. It's like any other gadget, he complained. You sweat yourself dry designing it from theory, and then you have to tinker till it works. He began changing the positions of resistors and condensers, cutting sections out of the circuit to work on them. Arushkadan shredded a piece of paper, wetted it, and tried to smoke it. Ray! Deanne's voice came sharp and urgent from the forward cabin. I saw a rocket flare! Oh, no, he sprang back to her and peered into the night sky. A long trail of flame arced across it, and another, and another. The Jovians, he groaned, they've found us. They may not see us, said Deanne, hopefully. I have metal detectors. We're done for. Well, we can only die once. Kiss me, sweetheart. Deanne folded Ray in one arm, while the other reached for her sword. The patrol rockets went over the horizon, breaking and swam back. Blast flames spattered off the valley floor, and frozen gas vapors boiled furiously up toward mighty Jupiter. The boat telescreen blinked its indicator light. Numbly, Ray tuned it in. The lean, hard face of Colonel Rzhevsky Feldkamp sprang into its frame. Oh, there you are, said the Jovian. If we surrender, said Ray, will you give us safe conduct back to Earth? Certainly not, 
but you may be allowed to live. Erushkadan spoke from the lab. Valentine, I think the trouble lies in this square wave generator. If we double to voltage... The first patrol ship sizzled to a landing. Rzhevsky felt Camp lean forward till his face seemed to project on the screen, and Ray had a wild desire to punch its nose. So you've been working on a project, he said. Well, so much the more labor spared us. Diane cut loose with a short-range blaster she had located somewhere in the lab ship. Erushkodan will die before he surrenders to you, said Ray belligerently. I will do nothing of the sort, said the Martian. Experimentally, he cut the square wave generator back into the circuit and turned a dial. The boat lifted off the ground. Either, roared the colonel. You can't do that. The Jovian soldiers who had been pouring from the grounded ship looked stupidly upward. Shell them, snapped the colonel. Ray slammed the main star drive switch clear over. There was no feeling of acceleration. They were suddenly floating weightless, and Jupiter whizzed past the forward port. Stop! howled the Jovian. The engine throbbed and sang, energy pulsing in great waves through its shuddering substance. The stars crawled eerily across the ports. Aberration, gasped Ray. We're approaching the speed of light. Space swam and blazed with a million, million suns. They punched near the forward port, thinning out toward the rear as the ship added its fantastic velocity vector to their light rays. A distorted pale green globe grew rapidly before the vessel. What planet is that up ahead? pointed Dan. I think, muttered Ray. He looked out the rearward port. I think it was Neptune. Triumph! chortled Rishkadan, rubbing his tentacles together. My theory is confirmed. Not that it needs confirmation, but now even an Earthman can see that I am always right. And oh, how they'll have to pay. The colors of the stars shifted toward blue in front and red behind. Doppler effect, thought Ray wildly. He was probably seeing by radio waves and gamma rays now. How fast were they going anyway? He should have thought to install some kind of speed gauge. Several times the velocity of light, at least. Ah, this is fun, laughed Diane. Hmm, we better stop while we can still see the solar system, said Ray, and cut the main drive. The ship kept on going. Hey, screamed the earthling. Stop, whoa. We can't stop, said Arushkadan cruelly. We're in a certain pseudo-velocity state now. The engine merely accelerates us. Well, how in hell did you break? groaned Ray. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. I thought you knew this would happen. Now I do, Ray floated free of his chair, beating his forehead with his fists. I hope to heaven we can do it before the food runs out. Diane looked at Arishkadan speculatively. If worst comes to worst, she murmured. Roast Martian. Let's get busy, gasped Arishkadan. It took a week to improvise a braking system. By that time, they were no longer very sure where they were. This is all my fault said Diane contritely. If I had brought Armin along, she would have looked after us. One thing that worries me, said Ray, is the Jovians. They aren't fools, and they won't be sitting on their hands waiting for us to come back and give the star drive to Earth. First, said Ereshkodan snappishly, there is the problem of finding our sun. Ray looked out the port. The ship was braked, and in the normal space-time state of matter, was floating amidst a wilderness of unfamiliar constellations. It shouldn't be too hard, he said thoughtfully. Look, there are the Magellanic Clouds, I think, and we should be able to locate Rigel or some other bright star. That way we can get a fix and locate ourselves relative to Sol. There are no astronomical tables aboard ship, pointed out Arishkadan. 
and I certainly don't clutter my brain with mere numerical data. Which star is Rigel? asked Diane. Why, uh, well, that one. No, it might be that one over there. Or perhaps, or perhaps. How should I know? growled Ray. We will simply help to get back the way we came, as nearly as we can judge it, said Ereshkadan. Maybe we can find someone who knows, suggested Diane. Ray thought of landing on a planet and asking a winged three-headed monster. Pardon me, do you know which way Sol is? To which the monster would doubtless reply, Sorry, I'm a stranger here myself. He chuckled wryly. They encountered a difficulty which all the brave, futuristic stories about exploring the galaxy seemed to have overlooked. They had headed out in the ecliptic plane, very nearly on a line joining the momentary positions of Jupiter and Neptune. That didn't help much, though, and a boat never meant for interplanetary flight, and thus carrying only the ephemerides of the Jovian system. Presumably they had gone in a straight line, so that one of the zodiacal constellations was at their back and should still be recognisable, but the high-velocity distortions of the outside view had precluded anyone's noticing which stars had been where. Ray floated over to the port, and looked out at the eerie magnificence of unknown space. If I'd been a Boy Scout, he lamented, I might know the constellations. The thing to do is to head back toward any one which looks halfway familiar, since that must be the one which was at our stern, but I only know Orion and the Big Dipper. He looked at Arushkudan with accusing eyes. You're the great astrophysicist. Can't you tell one star from another? Certainly not, said the Martian huffily. No astrophysicist ever looked at the stars if he can help it. Oh, you wonder... Con-con-star picture, said Diane innocently. Ray said, I mean one we knows. We see the stars from Sol or from Centauri. You're nice to look at, honey, and right now I can't help wishing you Varanians were a little more intellectual. Oh, I know the stars, said Diane. Every noble learns them. Let me see. She floated around the chamber from port to port, staring out and muttering to herself, Oh, yes, there is Kunatha the hunter, threatened by a woman-devouring monster, not changed much. Huh? Ray and Arishkadan pushed themselves over beside her. By gosh, said the earthling, it does look like Virgo. I think I want it from Diane. I love you to pieces. Let's get home quick, then, she beamed. I want to be on a planet. During the outward flight, she had been somewhat discomforted by discovering the erotic importance of gravity. You steer us home, screeched Arishkadan. I had to learn them, she said. Every noble on Varan has to know. What you call it? Astrology. I was got we plan our battles wisely. Astrology? screamed the Martian. You are an, an astrologer? Why, of course, I thought you were too. But it seems like your Solarians are more backward than I suppose. Shall I cast your horoscope? Astrology! groaned Rishkadan. He looked ill. Well, said Ray helplessly, I guess it's up to you to pilot us back, Diane. Why, sure, she dumped into the pilot's seat. Anchors of A. Brought home by an astrologer, groaned Rushkadan. The ignominy of it all. Ray started the new engine. They could accelerate all the way back and use the brake to stop almost instantly. It shouldn't take long. All set, he called, and the rising note of power thrummed behind his words. Get up, yelled Diane. She swung the ship around and slammed the main drive switch home. Ray looked out at the weirdly distorted heavens. There should be some way to compensate for that aberration, he murmured. A viewplate using photocells with the electron beam control fields hooked into the drive circuit. Sure, simple. He floated back to the lab and began assembling scattered apparatus. 
In a few hours he emerged with a gadget as uncouth as the engine itself, but there was a set of three telescreens which gave clear views and three directions. Diane smiled and pointed to one of them. See now Valar, the victorious warrior returning from battle, this captive man slung across a saddlebow is taking shape, she said. That, said Ray, is Ursa Major. You Iranians have a fantastic imagination. The blue-white giant of a sun flamed ahead, prominences seething millions of miles into space. Diane's eyes sparkled and she applied a sideways vector to the star drive. Yippee! she howled. Hey, screamed the Earthman. They whizzed past the star, playing tag with the reaching flames while Diane roared out a Centaurian battle chant. Ray's subconscious mind spewed forth every prayer he had ever known. Okay, we are past it, said Diane. Don't do such things, she said weakly. Darling, said the girl, I think we should spend our honeymoon flying through space like this. The stars blurred past. The galaxy's conquerors looked at the splendor of open space and ate cold beans out of a can. I think, said Diane thoughtfully, we should go first to Varan. Alpha Centauri? asked Arushkadan. Nonsense! We're going back at once to Utu and civilized society. We may need help at Sol, said the girl. We have been gone now long about two weeks. Much could have happened in that time. But it's not practical, objected Ray. Diane grinned cheerfully. And how will you stop me? Varan, oh well, I've always wanted to see it anyway. The centaurian began casting about, staring by the aspect of the sky. Before many hours, she was slanting in toward a double star with a dim red dwarf in the background. This is it, she said. This is it. Okay, answered Ray. Now tell me how you find a planet. Hmm... Well, Diane scratched her ruddy head. Ray began to figure it aloud. The planets, let me see now, yeah, they're in the plane of the two stars that have to be. So if you go out to a point in that plane where Alpha A, your sun, seems of about the right size, and then swing in a circle of that radius, you should come pretty close to Varan. It has a good-sized moon, doesn't it? And its color is greenish-blue. Yes, we should be able to spot it. You are so clever, sighed Diane. At a mere fraction of the velocity of light, Ray thought of the consequences of hitting a planet when going faster than light, and wished he hadn't. The spaceboat moved around Alpha A. It seemed only minutes before Diane pointed and cried joyously, There we are! There is home! After many years, home! I would like to know what we are going to do when we get there, said Arushkadan. He was not answered. Diane and Ray were too busy bringing the vessel down into the atmosphere and across the wild surface. Katanduma, cried the girl. There is my homeland. See, there is the mountain old Mother Hastan. There is a city Maita. Hold on. We're going down.